You are listening to the Awaken Natchitoches podcast. Awaken Church is a diverse community of authentic love and hope where you can belong as you change and change as you follow Jesus. I have a calling from God. <laughs> a calling to be a preacher, a calling to preach, a calling to be a pastor. Have you ever heard somebody say something like that? I have a calling from God. Like they've used used that language, like a calling, like like um like, like ministry is specific to, to a certain thing. And and the thing is, is is that's true. There is there there are callings that we have in life. Uh, I think each and every one of us, if we would really kind of uh, break it down. We are interested in what is my calling? Like, what is the purpose of my life? What is the meaning? What What am I here to do? What am I here to experience? What am I here to contribute? What is the calling? What does it mean to have a calling? Well, we're in this series. We're calling God Dreams. God Dreams of you living, like really living. God Dreams, you find purpose. Uh, and our narrative for this this story is from the Bible, uh, the story of John the Baptist. And last week, we looked at John the Baptist and how he had this untamed faith in his life. Uh, he unleashed a message with his life and also his mouth. And and his message was about an unmatchable Messiah, Jesus. And and that's the same type of faith and message and, 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 and Messiah that we have. But when we compare the typical faith of today's Christianity with that of John the Baptist, we can realize that in a lot of ways we've taken this abundant, full life that Jesus offers us and the dreams that God dreams for us, and we've traded that for a weak faith, a domesticated existence that's simply going through the motions of religion. And so I'm not one to always like like uh, uh, blast religion for the sake of blasting religion, but there is a, a, a thing about going through the motions that that brings us to a place in faith that uh, is not what God dreams for us. God dreams for, uh, for us are to live um, the abundant full life that he offers us through Jesus. That's the dream, and he dreams it for you and for me. So we're looking at John the Baptist. And um, he lived completely different than that, the, the, going through the motions. And we're going to look deeper into that. We're in Matthew chapter 11. I invite you to grab a Bible and turn there in the New Testament. These are the Gospels, which uh, are the beginning section of the New Testament when it was broken down and put in into a, a type of order. And uh, we got to remember that the Bible, especially the New Testament, is not in, well, neither the Old Testament, but it's not in chronological order, but it was put together in a logical order. In other words, the Gospels are all grouped together, and they're grouped together in a certain way, and, and Matthew is one of those Gospels. It just happens to be come first in the ordering. So, having said that, let's look at this. Matthew chapter 11 and Jesus, the, and if you look at the previous chapter, what had been happening, Jesus had been giving his instructions to his disciples about going out, about taking his message, announcing the kingdom of God is here, uh, announcing the good news of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, and, and sending them out with this message and, and preparing them for that. And as he does, we're going to find here that, that John the Baptist, meanwhile, has been arrested, and he's in prison. And we'll get, we'll get into that a little bit today and more in the coming weeks about that whole situation. But he's in prison. And here's the here's how the story plays out. Just the first six verses of, of Matthew 11. When Jesus had finished giving these instructions to the twelve disciples, he went out to teach and preach in towns throughout the region. John the Baptist, who was in prison, heard about all the things the Messiah was doing. So he sent his disciples to ask Jesus, Are you the Messiah we've been expecting, or should we keep looking for someone else? And Jesus told him, Go back to John and tell him that you have what you have 
heard and seen. The blind see. The lame walk. Those with leprosy are cured. The deaf hear. The dead are raised to life. And the good news is being preached to the poor. And then he added, God blesses those who do not fall away because of me. Well, here's our big idea for our time together today. It's this. The calling of Jesus is into a life of transformation and purpose. This is Jesus calling. Jesus is calling. He's calling you. He's calling me. He's calling us all into a life of transformation and purpose. In order to do this, in order to answer this call, you have to live with a deeper intention. So let's back up our story of John the Baptist. John was a person that that God chose to prepare the way of the coming of the Messiah. I mean, John the Baptist was picked by God according to the story that, that God sent John the Baptist. He was chosen to prepare the way, the coming of Jesus. And in Matthew 3, we looked at in last week's message, that that we find John the Baptist out baptizing people, kind of in the wilderness. He's got his clothes are made out of camel hair. He's got this 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 leather strap around his waist, kind of as a belt. This is not the common uh, dress code of the day, by the way. He ate locusts, which are bugs, like cicadas, grasshoppers, and honey. And his message was, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. He was, and he's clearly, when you look at the story and how it plays out, he's not a fan of the established religious leaders of his day. He called them a brood of vipers. And if you don't know what that is, a brood of vipers, it's a family of snakes. And he calls them that. And he preached what we would call a fire and brimstone message. And it's not just towards the, the sinners, like people who were not religious, although they're included because he, he does... Uh, he does uh, like call for them in his messages to turn from their sin and, and be baptized. Um, but his message, his fire and brimstone messages aren't simply for them, but also towards those with a domesticated religion, those who had this weak faith that had been that had that had just replaced a vibrant relationship with the Creator that God dreams for them to have, and He dreams for us to have. We don't find anywhere that John the Baptist had any formal training. His, his address was out yonder. And, no, no, and he's not someone that anybody would expect to prepare the way of the Messiah. Yet this is exactly who he was, and it's exactly what he did. So, so John sends his disciples to ask Jesus, are you the Messiah we're expecting? Or should we keep looking for someone else? Isn't this a good question? I mean, this is a great question. Actually, it's the question, isn't it? It's the, it's the question for each one of us. And if Jesus is not the one, we shouldn't follow him. If Jesus, if I didn't believe that Jesus was the one, I would not be following Jesus. But if Jesus is the one, we should follow him at all costs. But how, how could John the Baptist be uncertain about who Jesus was? Because well, when we track back in the story, we remember something. He and Jesus are actually cousins. If we go back to before they're even born, Mary, the mother of Jesus, was pregnant with Jesus. She goes to visit Elizabeth, who is the mother of John the Baptist, and they're related. And, and, neither, and they both are with child. They're both pregnant at the time. And Luke one thirty nine tells this story. It says, a, a few days later, Mary hurried into the hill country of Judea to the, tra- to the town where Zechariah lived. She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leaped within her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, You are blessed by God above all other women, and your child is blessed. What an honor this is that the mother of my Lord should visit me. When you came in and greeted me, my baby jumped for joy the instant I heard your voice. Before he was even born, 
John the Baptist recognized who Jesus was. Now, can you imagine this tiny little voice from the womb calling out to the other tiny voice in the womb? Are you the one? Or should we look for another? Uh, that's, that's a horrible baby voice, but, but it's all I got. See, see, even in the womb, John knew about 30 years later, he's uncertain. And then we, we track with the story where kind of we looked at last week in, in Matthew 3, but we look at this kind of a situation in John 1.35 where, where John had been baptizing, and it says John is standing with two of his disciples. And as Jesus walked by, John looked at him and then declared, Look, there is the Lamb of God. So John was certain about the identity of Jesus. And we don't find him running up to Jesus and saying, Are you the one? Are you the one? I mean, I got a lot of cousins from Galilee, and I get confused of who's who over there. No, John knew. When John baptized Jesus, a voice from heaven declared, This is my son whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. No one else that John baptized had that kind of experience. John, I, I really believe John was neither unclear nor uncertain about whether or not Jesus was the one. Where the Jesus was the Messiah. So why does he send his disciples to ask Jesus, are you the one? See, John the Baptist is in prison. And soon his life will be taken from him and he knows it. And in his prison cell, John comes face to face with doubt. And hearing about this, the amazing work Jesus was doing didn't eliminate his doubts. It actually fueled those doubts. See, Jesus responds with evidence, reinforcing what John already knew deep down. He is the Messiah. Because Jesus says, uh, he, you know, the lame walk, the, the, the blind see, the good news is preached to, to the poor. These are, these are the evidence. He is, he's, he's affirming, he is affirming that what John knows. Yes, I am the Messiah is what he's saying. But then he adds, blessed is the man who doesn't fall away because of me. So why would Jesus need to say that to John? See, Jesus was saying something to John that we can miss if we have this weak faith, this domesticated religion. It's all about us. And it's this. He says, John, I'm not coming through for you. I'm not getting you out of prison. I'm not sparing your life. That's what he's saying here. I'm not, I'm not going to... I'm not going to come through for you the way I have for others. Yes, yes, I have done these things for others, but your path is different from theirs. And you'll be blessed if you remain faithful, though. It's, it's a different kind of blessing than what we typically equate with the blessings of God. It's a blessing of significance. He's saying, John, your path is different. I'm not, I'm not going to heal you in the same way that you see others being healed. It doesn't mean I'm not the Messiah. It doesn't mean I'm not full of love for you. It means your path is different from theirs. See, Jesus' purpose was not to save us from all suffering, but to save us from meaninglessness. Now, that's not to say that, that Jesus doesn't care, because he does. When you are suffering, he's suffering with you. He is crying with you. He hurts with you. And there are times and many occasions when he does bring healing from that suffering, and I have experienced it. I have seen it. I have experienced it my own self, that, that Jesus can and does save from suffering. But Jesus' purpose is not just to do that. His main purpose is to save us from a life of meaninglessness. Because God dreams of us living with meaning and purpose and a calling. See, this is, a, this is the deeper intention Jesus is calling to us. He, he's calling us to. Every one of us, he's calling us to live with this deeper intention of living a life of purpose with meaning, a calling. And Jesus' calling is actually a dangerous invitation. It is. 
It's, you know, I think about inviting someone to church. It's, uh, you know, especially inviting someone to follow Jesus. It can be awkward. Uh, it can be a thing, but we typically don't think of it as dangerous. Like, you can invite someone to church, but it's probably not a dangerous invitation. Probably the most danger we feel about it is like it's dangerous to us because we feel like they may reject us or they may not uh they may not may not respond positively to that um and, and so we feel like well if it's a dangerous invitation it could be dangerous to me but no i'm talking about it's a dangerous invitation to anyone who it's extended to what what makes this invitation to jesus a dangerous invitation because jesus invites john into a deeper faith he, he invites him to really unleash it to, to unchain it to, to live it uh, like you have this untamed faith keep it untamed and he says and he invites him to do this by remaining faithful no matter how bad things get too often it seems that our version of the invitation of jesus was something like jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead so you can live a life of endless comfort and security which is bull <laughs> or or simply this, you know, all you have to do, just confess you're a sinner and believe in Jesus and you'll be saved from torment of hell and go to heaven when you die. Which I'm not saying is not true, but I'm saying either way, it results in a weak faith. One makes a mockery out of life. To, to, that, to believe that Jesus went to the cross and rose, rose from the dead, that the resurrection is so we could have comfort and security, that makes a mockery out of life. But also to believe that that Jesus saves us from the torment of hell, and so that we can, uh, just, so so we can go to heaven when we die. It makes it 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 holds out that our life begins at eternity, and it doesn't. The way of Jesus is about now, life now, living now, abundant, full, purposeful, meaningful life now. It doesn't just begin at eternity. The calling of Jesus for each of us to, is to live in this world as citizens of the kingdom of heaven. That's the calling. Live in this world as a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus shows the cost of, what, uh, of becoming his follower. Matthew 10, 16, he says, Look, I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves. Be as wary as snakes and harmless as doves. He says, This is a dangerous invitation. I'm sending you out like a sheep among wolves. He goes on in verse 23 of Matthew 10 and says, Everyone will hate you because of your allegiance to me, but those who endure to the end will be saved. It's the same thing he goes on in Matthew 11 and says to John the Baptist. If you endure to the end, you'll be saved. It's like it's, it's not easy. It's not about your comfort. It's not about, it's not about uh, you, know, you getting your way how you want it. It's about being, uh, living out the purpose and the God dreams for you. See, we've accepted something that every every story that Jesus writes with our lives ends with, and they lived happily ever after. And I mean this. I mean, I love my boys, and I love to tell stories to my boys. That my, you know, they're ten and nine, and and we still do story time. And when they were younger, it was even more fun. But but uh, well, I have a twenty three year old as well. I don't tell him these stories these days. <laughs> but. Uh, but, but, but when I tell them a story, every story is going to end, and I make up stories, and they love it when I make up a story, and they end with, and they lived happily ever after. We develop this view that Jesus wants us to live this happily ever after kind of thing. We develop a view that Jesus always comes through for us in the way we think he should, 
And we create a God whose purpose is to ensure our safety, our convenience, and our comfort. We create a God in the image of our desires, our comfort, our convenience. So instead of confidence to live as we should, regardless of the circumstances, we choose a path of least resistance, the least difficult, the least sacrifice. Instead of concluding that it's best to be where God wants us, we've decided that wherever we think is best for us to be is where God wants us. And truthfully, God's will is less about your comfort than it is about your contribution. God's will for your life is less about you being comfortable than it is about you contributing, you you being the difference. You've probably heard, well, the safest place to be is the center of God's will. Try explaining that to John the Baptist. He's in the center of God's will. Try explaining that to, to Stephen, this, this character in Acts in the Bible, who gets, who gets uh, executed for proclaiming Jesus as the Messiah. Tell him, he, you know, he's in the center of God's will. Tell him it's the safest place to be. Or Paul, who wrote these letters that make up a big chunk of our New Testament, who if you read his story through Acts and read in his, his letters, you find him imprisoned and being beaten and, 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 all the, and suffering all these things in the center of God's will are, are today. Try to go to Christians who live in North Korea or Iran or Iraq and tell them, well, the safest place to be is in the center of God's will. As we think of safety, that doesn't resonate. And it's true. The best place to be is the center of God's will. But safe as we think of it, safe as we interpret it, where there's comfort and security and safety from the, from the things of this world, that's not the call. The call to follow Jesus is a dangerous invitation. It's into life and journey and a, a, a journey that's, that's, that's got all of the things a true journey has. And some of that is risky. And this requires a daily investment. This calling, this answer, that in order to answer the call, it requires a daily investment because it's about the relationship. And our relationships, your, your best relationships, your most intimate relationships, require daily investment. Marriage is, is one of those things. Marriage requires a daily investment. You daily have to invest yourself in your marriage. Parenthood is the same thing as a, as a parent. Parent requires a, Parenting requires a daily investment. And this, this relationship with God through Jesus Christ, this, this calling requires a daily investment. Is it possible that the transforming power of the church, of, of Christians, gets lost when we invite the lost to step into the comfort and safety of Jesus instead of honestly showing them the investment required? Like There's a daily investment required of this. It's called discipleship. And, and church, we, we need to get back to it. And I'm thankful that Awakened Church, it is a huge part of the identity and the philosophy and the vision of awakened church discipleship a daily investment in god in the things of god in one another love and sacrifice are inseparable the call to follow jesus is about love expressed through sacrifice and servanthood i mean the calling of the calling of jesus always moves us to serve others always and this requires that daily investment if following Jesus means a life of suffering or disappointment, it will be worth it because following Jesus is more powerful and rewarding than living with everything in the world minus Him. Now, it's been a minute, a couple of decades, since I, I attempted to live with whatever and anything in the world minus Jesus. But I remember fully how the, what, what the emptiness was like and how the emptiness was filled with a relationship with Jesus Christ. And how, realizing, 
that there's God dreams, <laughs> that God has purpose, and his desire is that I live a life of meaning, meaning, meaningfulness is huge. It's huge. A world without God doesn't need for us to choose the safe path. The safe path. Don't choose the safe path. Answering the call of Jesus to live as God dreams means a daily investment in others where there may be sacrifice. Now, there are two requirements to answering the call. And in an awakened church, we don't talk a lot about requirements. Like you, you're required to do this. You're required to have that. You're required to believe this. You're required to accept that. There, that's not a part. That's not what I'm talking about. It's not, this is not. This is not doctrine. I'm talking about. This is just experience and and just make just reality. In order to answer the call of God, and in order you know that Jesus is calling, in order to answer the call, number one requirement, you must be open to the Holy Spirit of God, because you can't hear and acknowledge the calling of the Holy Spirit of God unless you are open to the Holy Spirit of God. So there's a requirement. Oh, you have to be open. Open yourself. Open your mind. Open your heart. Open your very soul to the Holy Spirit of God and see what happens. The second requirement is you must be willing to try new things. Because in God, every day is a new day. With Christ, his 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 mercies are fresh every morning. <laughs> he is every day is a new day. And, and and we become, you know, we're thankful for the new day. We're thankful for every breath we take in a new day. But we have to be willing to try new things in order to answer the call because he's going to call us from comfort into significance. He's going to call us from comfort into contribution. So we have to be willing to try new things. What would your life look like if you unleashed your faith and did just did this, the very next thing that you're reasonably certain that Jesus wants you to do? <laughs> I often get asked this question. If you could do anything in life knowing it wouldn't fail, what would you have the courage to do? And they get all kinds of answers for that, right? Well, you know it can't fail. What would you have the courage to do? And then the follow-up is always, well, why don't you go ahead and try it anyway? See, Jesus asks us, like John the Baptist, if you could do anything for the kingdom of heaven, what would you have the courage to do, even if you suffer, even if you are considered a failure in the world's eyes? If you could do anything for the kingdom of heaven, what would you have the courage to do? Even if you suffer, even if you're a failure in the world's eyes. That's the question. Because Jesus is calling. Jesus is transforming lives. Jesus is unleashing the kingdom of God. And he's calling for you to join. Are you listening? What is God calling you to? What is God calling you to? What is your next step? Your next step is to answer the call. Answer the call to follow Jesus. If you are far from God, if you are someone who you would look at your life and yourself and say, you know what, yes, I am a sinner, and I'm not following the way of Jesus. I'm not following Jesus, but I want to. Then make that turn. Answer the call, because he's calling now. Follow me. Come and follow me. Turn from that sin, turn from your selfishness, turn from, from, from all of that, and turn to God through Jesus Christ. You can do that simply by, by just, you, you pray it. Jesus, I, I, I want, I'm turning to you. I, I want you to be my Savior. I, I'm, uh, however you want to word it, I'm a sinner, and, and I confess that. Uh, I agree with you. I, I'm acknowledging that. But I don't want to be anymore. I want to follow you. I want this life. I want this this life, this purpose. I want the dreams you have for me, God. And if you've done that, 
and you'd say, yeah, I'm a Christian. I'm, I'm a Christ follower. But maybe you're realizing you haven't been awakened to the real, abundant life that Jesus is calling you to. That you realize, man, God's got dreams for me, and it's this purpose, and it's and it's to, it, it's it's about meaning, uh, finding meaning, and it's about contributing. And, and I don't I don't seem to be doing that. I'm not experiencing that. Then turn from whatever the do- domesticated form of religion or weak faith you have, and turn to a God who dreams of you really living life as he has it planned for you lord we love you thank you for your plans thank you for your purpose thank you for your word and thank you for the gospel of matthew where we find this story of john the baptist and lord may we find ourselves in this story and and uh, realize that that john the baptist was someone who was just himself and followed as you led and he even had doubts because lord it sh- jesus shows that he doesn't always come through for us the way we think he should But he does always love. You do always love us. You do always come through for for us in your way. And Lord, our path is is a path that you've designed. Lord, deliver us from from desiring to, to be on someone else's path. Deliver us from comparing ourselves to others. Deliver us from saying, well, what about me? But Lord, let us trust you with the faith that is untamed for our own lives and our own path. As we say yes, and we turn from a weak, domesticated faith to follow you wherever you lead us to, regardless if the world says it's crazy, regardless if the world says we're a failure, that, Lord, we would just stand firm in the knowledge that you, through your Holy Spirit, are leading us. And so we do surrender to you and say, yes, Lord, your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Awaken Natchitoches podcast. It's our hope that you have been encouraged by today's message. Find out more about Awaken Church at awakenla.church or find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Awaken Church LA.